Thank you very much. Great to see you all. It's, this is so encouraging, just seeing the number of people who are turning out this evening to pray, to celebrate what God is doing. You know, I'm so encouraged. We were at a prayer day this, today with other New Frontiers leaders. New Frontiers is the family of churches we belong to in the UK. There was a day of prayer about what God is doing in the nation. So encouraging what is happening, what God is going to do. There's much, much, much to be encouraged about. Um, and I just want to echo the welcome that Ron has already given uh, to all of you, but also particularly to those of you who are visitors, um, particularly those who have come maybe to specifically support one of those people who are getting baptised. Because I do recognise, of course, that for you, this might be a very strange environment um, with all these crazy people getting very excited about everything and hands in the air and singing songs and... You know, if this isn't the sort of thing that you're used to, I just want to say a big thank you for being here um, and, you know, for, for, for putting yourself through this for the sake of the person you have come to support. It is so appreciated. But if you're in that boat, if you're a visitor, I think what you can't fail to notice is just how much this means. Just how life-changing this is, how much this means for those getting baptised and also for the vast majority of us in here. You also can't fail to notice that there's a lot of love in this place for Jesus. And so I want to talk about him. I want to talk about Jesus um, because, because I want those of us who already follow him, who already follow Jesus to know him better to have an enlarged vision of who he is. I want us to know him better, but for for those of you who don't follow Jesus, well, I want you to know him. really want you to know him because he will change your life. It's what he does. We've heard it about from the people getting baptized, great stories of how Jesus has come in and changed lives. He changes the lives of ordinary people. And so I really want you to know him. Now, I know, of course, that in our society, in our uh, postmodern world, Anyone who, who claims to know the truth is viewed with a lot of suspicion, a lot of mistrust and suspicion. Anyone who claims that one way stands above all other ways, well, that's when you get labelled as a fundamentalist or someone who's very intolerant indeed. A lot of people who wouldn't claim to be a follower of Jesus, wouldn't, wouldn't claim to be a Christian, would still be very sympathetic towards Jesus himself as a good moral teacher. You know, as somebody who taught about loving your neighbor and about caring for the poor, and he did lots of good things, uh, a man of peace, a man of wisdom, in much the same way as many would view someone like Mahatma Gandhi, for example, you know, a historical influential figure who had a great positive influence on the world. But don't stand there and tell me that I need Jesus in my life or that I need to know him or anything like that. I don't know if you ever heard the story of the elephant and the six blind men where the six, these blind men have to go up to an elephant and try to describe what the elephant is like. So the first man goes up to the elephant, touches the elephant's side, and says, well, an elephant is like a wall. And the second one says, no, 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 you're wrong. He's touching the elephant's trunk. He says, an elephant's like a snake. And the third one says, look, I, he's touching the tusk. And he says, I don't know what you two are about, but an elephant is like a spear. And then one touching the leg, elephant's like a tree. One's touching the ear, an elephant's like a fan. One is touching the tail. No, 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 you're all wrong. An elephant's like a rope. And then you've got the, the wise man who can see, standing at a distance. He can see all of this happening, and he laughs, and he says, no, 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 no. You've got to put all of those parts together to find out the whole truth about what an elephant is really like. Now, that's a story that's often used as an illustration to suggest 
that every religion just gives one part of the larger truth about God. In other words, all religions lead to God. They're all pathways, different pathways up the same mountain, and it's narrow and blind to suggest that one is right and the others are not. And that all sounds really lovely and very inclusive and and all the rest and very fluffy, but the problem is this. Jesus simply doesn't allow that to be a possibility. He rules this out. Look at what he says in John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. That's quite a statement. So when people are sympathetic towards Jesus as a good moral teacher, you've got to ignore some pretty massive things that he said. You've got to ignore some of the more outrageous things that Jesus claimed like this. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. By definition, all religions cannot lead to God. Either what Jesus says here is true or it's not true. If it's true, the only way to God is through Jesus. If it's not true, well then all the other religions may well be right, but Christianity definitely is not right. And what Jesus says here is quite frankly delusional which isn't a very good foundation for being a good moral teacher. I think we'd agree. One thing you really can't do is try to portray Jesus as one way among many. It just doesn't hold up, doesn't stack up intellectually. He either is the way, as he claims here, or he's not. It's not the only time Jesus makes claims like this, by the way. Elsewhere, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoa, that's a big statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Or he says, look, all you who are weary and burdened, you come to me and I will give you rest. That's a massive claim. Or if you're thirsty, come to me and drink and rivers of living water will flow from within you. Do you know what? If we had a present day leader who said these kind of things, I think we'd consider them pretty dangerous. Can you imagine it? Claiming to be God, claiming to be the Messiah. I think we'd consider that pretty dangerous. These are not trivial things that Jesus is saying. When Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, we read about this every Easter, he's, he's going in on the donkey, people are going mad, the crowd are going wild, palms on the road and cheering, and they're proclaiming Jesus as the king. They're saying he is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. They're, they're, they're proclaiming who he is. It's a very intentional statement from Jesus about who he is, that he is the rightful king. He is the Messiah. And the leaders in the city, the, the, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they've got a choice They either have to bow down to him and acknowledge and accept that what all these people are saying is true, or they've got to completely reject him and seek to destroy him and get rid of him. And of course, that is the route that they chose, but they couldn't just ignore him. They really couldn't ignore him. It's like Jesus is saying to them, look, crown me or kill me, but you can't be indifferent about me. And it's the same for us. You can't just admire Jesus as a good moral teacher because the claims that he makes demand a response one way or the other. Either they're true or he's delusional. But if they're true, that demands a response. You can't be indifferent about him. To be indifferent is to reject him. There is no middle ground. And that might sound very exclusive and people don't like that. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. And I just want to have a closer look at what Jesus is actually claiming here in this statement that he makes. And what many of us in here would testify to be true, to be our experience as well. Jesus claims that he is the way to know the Father. Not just God as an abstract concept, but God as Father. 
the way to know the Father. It's a claim that promises intimacy with God the Father, to be able to really know him. That's an outrageous thing to claim, really. But what is this Father like that Jesus is talking about? Well, we know that he's the one who loved the world so much, he loves you and me so much, that he went to extremes to rescue you, to save you. I don't know if you have children but if you've ever thought about how far you would go to rescue your child, you know, if your child is in the way of an oncoming car, I think the parental instinct is to rescue the child and take the hit. Or if your child falls into an icy river, the parent goes in the river without really thinking about it because your instinct and your desire and your love for this child is so great, even when they talk back to you and do things you don't want to do, this love you have for your child is so great that you, you will rescue them at a cost to yourself. That's how God feels about us. God the Father, that's how he feels about you. He's the one who loved us so much, even though we rejected him and we chose to go our own way, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to rescue you and to save you. He sent him to suffer and die so that he wouldn't lose you. So you can absolutely know that God loves you. It's it's just certain, it's beyond doubt. The cross is the guarantee that God really, really does love you. The suffering that he himself went through in order to have you with him. And of course, suffering is a huge question for many people when it comes to God as well. In terms of why would God allow things to happen in the world, suffering and all that kind of thing. And it's a big question, complex question, very valid question. But one thing we know the answer cannot possibly be to that question is that God doesn't love us. That cannot be the answer. It can't be the answer that God is indifferent to us when we suffer that he's not interested, that he's distant, that he doesn't love us. That cannot be the answer. He takes human suffering so seriously that he took it all upon himself, willingly. He took it all upon himself so that through Christ we can know God with us, even in our suffering. Jesus is the way. He's the only way to know the Father, to have intimacy with him, to know God the Father. That is what he is claiming here. It's a big claim. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Jesus gives you life. He gives you hope. He gives you fulfillment. He gives you purpose in your life. That's what the people being baptized have discovered in different amounts of time through their lives or very recently. They've discovered that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He gives you life. Many people here today have found that. I personally have found that. I became a Christian when I was 17. I knew about God before. I didn't know God. I didn't know God at all. But in a moment, my life changed. In a moment. Life wasn't going badly, by the way. I I had pretty good prospects. I was doing well at school. I was going to go to university. I wasn't in desperate need. I wasn't into drugs or anything like that. Life was pretty good. I was a pretty normal 17-year-old. I wasn't crying out desperately for God to be part of my life. To rescue me. I didn't think I needed rescuing from anything. I was living my life quite happily but I heard somebody speak I heard somebody give their story tell their story and in a moment something inside me changed because I knew that this was true these stories I'd heard about as a youngster I knew they were true something changed something clicked and in that moment I became acutely aware of my need for God where it hadn't been there before acutely aware of a need for God and the emptiness that was actually there in my pretty ordinary comfortable 17 year old life I encountered him that day. 
And life has never been the same. Not always been easy, in fact, sometimes far from it. But Jesus never promised an easy life. But he did promise life. And life in all its fullness. I think John Piper sums it very well up here. He says, he died, he's talking about Jesus, he died in my place. The righteous for the unrighteous. God counted him who was sinless to be a sinner. So that in him, I, who am a sinner, could be counted righteous. He opened the blind eyes of my heart. That's what he did. It's what he did for me. He opened the blind eyes of my heart and brought me to faith and repentance. By his spirit, he's come to live in my heart through faith. And he's slowly working his character into my stubborn will. Not only that, but this Jesus Christ created the world, including me. And holds it in being by the word of his power. Every breath I take, every beat of my heart, every moment of seeing and hearing, every movement of my mind is owing to the sustaining grace and creative power of Jesus. Of Jesus. He's glorious. When you see him, when he's revealed to you, when you get a glimpse of him, you just see he's this, Jesus is glorious. He's beyond description and he gives you life. Not just physical life, but life in all its fullness. Not just a blueprint of how to live your life, but he is the life. Jesus is the life. You know life through Jesus. You see, religion, when we talk about religion, religion is all about go and do this, go and do that to try and earn something from God, to try and get in his good books, to try and earn favor and find God. And sometimes people will come to church in the same way. I just want to live a good life. I want to be a good person. I want to be a bit more like Jesus. I want to follow the rules. But when we do that, we just make Jesus like the founder of any other religion and it will crush you because no one can live up to it. No one, many people here have tried. No one can live up to that standard. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I didn't come to make you strive. I did the striving for you. I didn't come to place before you this insurmountable mountain of righteousness and good deeds and good behavior that you have to climb. I already climbed it for you. I didn't come to show you how to live the perfect life. I lived it for you. I lived the life that you should have lived and I died the death that you should have died to reconcile you to God so you can have life. He did that for you so you can have intimacy with the Father. I am the way, says Jesus. Trust in me. Reach for me. The gospel's not a set of instructions. It's the announcement of good news, the best news. But it's only through Jesus. You, you can't fit him in as one way among many. You just can't do that. So back to that objection about being, that being very exclusive. Well, yeah, in a way. In a way it is. But you know what? It's the most inclusive exclusivity you will ever find. Why? One, because it's there for everybody. He died for everybody. It's on offer. But two, because it allows the weakest to come. It allows those who would normally be excluded for whatever reason that might be, to come, to gain access to God the Father, just like anybody else. If the only way is through Jesus, and not through our own works, not through our own goodness, not through our own strength, well then anybody can come. There's no room for pride. It's not a case of the good people are in, and the bad people are out. The good people find God, the strong people find God, the bad people and the weak people don't. No, it's the humble who find God. It's the ones who are prepared to admit that they are weak, and in need of a saviour. It's the ones who are prepared to admit that there's this indefinable hole 
in their lives that nothing in this world can completely fill and satisfy. Not even the very best things life has to offer, like family and friends and all those kind of things. They can never completely fill that gap. It's when we can humbly admit that we are in need of a saviour. The humble are in and the proud are out. And you know what? That is exclusive as well. But it's an exclusivity that really shouldn't bring any objections because the proud don't think they need God anyway. The humble are in. Or the objection could be, well, you know, why do you think your truth is better than my truth? You know, you, you Christians, you're so superior. Why do you, you think you're so superior? But you know, I'm not telling you anything about Jesus that I've just made up myself. I'm telling you what this says about him. What the Bible says about him, what this book says about him, and testifying that what I have experienced in my life backs it up. It points to this being true because of everything that I have experienced is as it says in here. Actually, Christians are the only people who really shouldn't be, really can't be superior in any way. Back to that elephant illustration. You know what the flaw with that illustration is? The flaw is that it assumes that the person telling the story has the truth. You see? They can see the whole picture. They're not blind, unlike these silly religious blind people. There's an assumption that you are the wise, enlightened one. No one has a perspective like you do. No one sees the whole truth, the big picture, like you do. No one else has superior knowledge like you do. Well, that is superior. (laughs) That is superior. And it inevitably breeds an attitude of superiority to anyone who doesn't share your perspective whether that's an atheist perspective or a, or a religious perspective. Or to take the religious point of view. You know, if you're a religious person, you're saved by what you do, you're saved by living a better life, well, inevitably, you feel superior to other religions. You feel superior to secular people because in your worldview, it's the good people who follow the right set of rules who are in, the bad people are out. But Christians are not saved by following the right set of rules. We're not saved because we're better in any way. Quite the opposite. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by grace. Purely by grace. Grace alone. We were all in the same boat. We were all sinners in need of grace and mercy. It is through Christ alone. So there's no room for superiority. There's no room for exclusivity. We're saved by grace. And grace alone. And it's grace that is on offer to everybody. That is not exclusive. So Christians, do you know it? Do you know him? Do you really know him? Do you know that you've been saved by grace? Does your life reflect? Do you have that right at the forefront of your mind? Or do you find yourself cold and indifferent to him? Because you can't be indifferent to Jesus if you follow him. If you've seen him, you cannot be indifferent to Jesus. You just can't. Do you know him? He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to know the Father. So you've got to know him. You've got to do everything out of the goodness of of what Jesus has done for you. Have that right at the forefront of your mind. Letting that his grace permeate everything that you do and say in your life. Otherwise, you develop an attitude of superiority and of exclusivity. And you become religious. So pray. Pray. We're in the season of prayer right now. And it's just brilliant. I'm in enjoying this so much but pray keep praying come to know him spend time with him spend time reading about him know him know the fullness of life that he has won for you because he intends you to live in it and if you're not a Christian if you're not a believer who do you think Jesus is? that's the critical question the most important question you will ever answer in your life who do you think Jesus is? how are you going to respond to him?
either adore him and receive him and everything he has for you or hate him and reject him. But don't be lukewarm about him. Don't be indifferent about him. And I'd urge you to explore him. Explore him. Come. Come again. Come on Sunday mornings. Ask questions. Come on the Alpha course that we're going to be running at Stone. We've already heard from people who've been on the last time that we ran an Alpha course. It was brilliant. They loved it. Come and ask your questions on an Alpha course. No pressure. Come and, come and explore. Read about him. Look, I've got a load of Gospels of Mark over there. It's a great place to start. I'll give you one if you want for free. And I can recommend other books to you if you come and talk to me. Start to find out about him. Look at him. Investigate him. And keep looking at him until you see until you see him, until you find what I have found and what many people in here have found, what those getting baptized today have found. Keep looking until you see and experience the truth that you can know intimacy with your heavenly father through Jesus. Through Jesus, who completely changes your life. The offer is there for you. Amen.